0: This episode is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code The Pod. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and i the Washington football team for The Athletic, which means that this weekend I will be in Las Vegas for the Washington football team's game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Can they keep this winning streak alive? What a world we're living in that the Washington football team when after that loss in Denver. The only team in the NFC that had a worse record, the winless Detroit Lions. And now three games later, <laughs> they are in. They are the seventh seed of the NFC. It's an incredible turnaround. Here to help me discuss that on this, this episode. First off, Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington joined me. Um, we, we talked. On uh, Wednesday at practice, got into kind of just what's going on here with this team. What do we make of this turnaround? And you know, got got a little bit ahead in terms of the the the, the mood change. I think around around uh, town, around this around th- this team, and so on. A fun conversation with Pete, who is a very interesting uh, and, and smart kid uh, when it comes to these things. Uh, I, I, I just want people to p- keep an eye on Pete Haley. I get some stock in in Pete Haley. Secondly. Uh, our friend Mark Bullock is back uh, obviously Mark does great film breakdown over on his Substack, and you can uh, you know follow Mark on Twitter at Mark NFL uh, Mark and I got into he wrote a couple pieces this week about the secondary and it's been really interesting to me to see this Landon Collins evolution uh, and change and what it's meant and, and and why why has it been more effective there's I have thoughts but I wanted to get Mark's thoughts as well so we talked Landon Collins we talked Kendall Fuller. We also talked um, about um, what what's been different on the scheme on the defensive line. Now that a guy like Casey Chuhill is in there instead of a Chase Young. Um, obviously, it's not the same talent level, but what is it what's working for this group w- w- with this change? Then we talked, of course, on the offense. We got into um uh, we got into uh, Taylor Heineke, right? Uh, obviously, we want I want to get Mark's take on this evolution that Taylor Taylor Heineke has uh, has gone through this year, and what do we think of it? What stands out? What do we believe in? So a fun conversation with Mark as well, so you can stay here for that, and of course, make sure you find all of our podcasts uh, on Spotify, on iTunes, and of course, you can listen to it on the Athletic app in an ad-free situation. Um let, let's get to a couple quick things here. Before I get to all that, right before I started recording, I'm talking to you guys on Thursday morning. Um, Washington is going to place cornerback Benjamin St. Juice on IR. Uh, I, I was told, and he's been dealing with concussions. Mark and I talked about this a little bit as well about what's kind of turned or wh- about his his role anyway that maybe it would have been diminished anyway because of the way they're using Landon Collins and Danny Johnson being in the slot and so on. Nonetheless, St. Juice going on IR. He has only played special teams the last two weeks after missing the Tampa game with, the con- with with the concussion, and he missed the game earlier in the year, week five with concussion as well. So it's a lingering situation, unfortunate for him. Obviously, any injury stinks, but concussions, particularly can be worrisome. So hopefully he'll be okay. He's going to be out now at least three weeks, so he's not eligible to return until week 16. Um, so there's there's that news for this week. A couple things to keep an eye on the center spot, right? Uh, obviously, you know they're down. They're, 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 they've had four centers this year. Keith Ismail, the fourth string center, finished off the last game because Wes Schweitzer, who was replacing Tyler Larson, went out with an ankle injury. As I'm talking to you Thursday morning, Tyler Larson was at least out on the practice field on Wednesday. We didn't see Wes Schweitzer. I don't believe. So we're going to have to see, will either of them be available to play? Uh, if not, Keith Ismail is going to get the, 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 the start, and I'm going to guess he's going to get it. Um, the question is going to be, are either of those other guys available? Last week, Washington elevated John Toth from the practice squad. I'm going to bet that happens again at a minimum. Um, but since they also play Sam Cosme on IR before the Seattle game, wouldn't surprise me if they possibly uh, just sign – Uh, David Steinmet outright to the 53 he can't come up anymore he's already been called up twice so the third time either has to clear waivers or be signed to the 53 so something to keep an eye on there and then of course JD McKissick uh, he 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 was he's in the concussion protocol program he was on the injury report from having a concussion we saw him obviously get hit late in that Seattle game and looked a little scary there for a moment um hopefully he's okay um we'll see what, what that means if he's out they do have wendell smallwood on the practice squad he would be elevated but obviously uh you know we, look antonio gibson's been playing you know at a higher level of late really some tough runs he can be a pass catcher but you know he doesn't have the same type of wiggle as mckissick jared patterson the same so that would be a that would be a definite loss if mckissick is not available uh for this team the ground game has been highly effective and the fact that you have these two running backs who are dual threats and you know put the pressure on the defense, as we know, so those are things we're going to have to keep an eye out on this week. But uh, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll continue to do that um, for sure. So uh, make sure to check out, like I said, oh, you know uh, this podcast. If you missed my episode from uh, from the end of the Seattle game, I talked to Kevin Sheehan from the team Night eighty. Always a great conversation with Kevin. I talked to my friend Tim Murray with. Uh, Vsin out in Las Vegas, in terms of the Vegas scene, but also college football this weekend, and then also uh, talk to Dan Grunfeld, son of uh, son of former Wizards GM Ernie Grunfeld, a little bit about the Wizards, but primarily about a new book that Dan has, chronicling his family's journey uh, from the Holocaust to the NBA. It's really a, 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 an important and powerful story and read, and I encourage everybody to check that out. In an interview and of course go check out Dan's book, which you can find on Amazon or anywhere you um, you buy books. Um, so let's get into it uh here's my conversation we'll start with pete haley and then we'll get to mark bullock on the standard room only podcast all right joining me as promised he is a uh, prominent member of the washington football team beat who happens to sit next to me in the media tent so i just thought to myself i really need a good guest today I, i turned to my left and said peter haley from nbc sports washington are you busy he said, uh, well, yes, I'm very hardworking like you, but I'll give you a few minutes. So here we are standing outside the media tent. We're going to talk about the Washington football team heading to Vegas. Uh, Peter, first off, thank you for for, for doing this. How, how are you doing? It's week, what are we, week 13 at this yeah. point? How, how are we doing? It's, it's been a long road. to The season ups and downs. How are you feeling?
1: I've been good. Uh, you've kept me sane here as a fellow seatmate. Uh, it's weird that you're calling me Peter all of a sudden. We're friends. You can call me Pete. Well,
0: I just go out with the Ron Rivera does, and he he <laughs> he likes to call you Peter in the uh, in in the uh, in, in the Zoom.
1: I'm pretty sure that's just him reading my Zoom username. I should switch it to Pete. I could switch it to Brian. I feel like you'd just call me Brian if I ask a question. But it's been fun. This past month has really rejuvenated a lot of us, and I'm very thrilled that this team is playing meaningful football all of a sudden.
0: It's funny you say rejuvenated a lot of us, right? Because. The the winning streak is about the team, and, you know, they obviously went from... It's unbelievable. After the Denver game, they had the only team in the NFC with a worse record was the winless Detroit Lions, and three games later, three games for this team, they're now the seventh seed. I think that probably says more about the rest of the conference than it does them, but it's given now some new hope to the whole situation, and then more specifically, um, or not more specifically, but then, like you said, it makes everything around, for all of us, feel better And, and... it is more enjoyable to cover something that's fun and interesting.
1: Definitely, way more fun as JP Finley, uh, my co- my colleague, comes out on. here. JP's been in a better mood. Everybody's in a better mood, and it went from, like after the buy, we looked at each other and we said there are more games to go than have already happened, and it felt like the next two months were going to be endless. Now it's, I just I'm thrilled to watch this team play football every week and track Taylor Heineke's improvement and how the defense is getting better and what crazy things gibson's gonna do on the ground and mclaurin how he's gonna cut up fellow corners so um yeah it, it's been really nice and i hope they can win the sunday get to six and six and make those final five nfc's games as thrilling as they looked when the schedule first came out
0: the, the you know on a football team when you have three distinct groups that have no real interaction with each other and then within those groups there's Tons of different position, and then there's injuries. Then there's the opponent you have to factor in what's going on in their world. There's so many variables that could say why is something happening. That said, what is it for you? What's the, If you had to pick one reason, what's the one reason why this team has gone from, well, this season's more or less looking over to, wow, they're actually in the mix and how good are, are they?
1: I would say it's the secondary. I mean, Heineke, of course, matters. The defense overall matters. But the secondary for the first eight games was a complete mess. Numerous passes where as soon as the quarterback let it go, we'd be in the press box and you'd hear audible gasps. Like, how did they let that guy get that open? Before the ball even landed, you knew it was gonna end up as a touchdown. I'm thinking of the deep throw to Deontay Harris against the Saints as a really specific one. But now, they've kept it together for the most part. And I know they had a few breakdowns against Lockett, but in the past three games, it's been a lot more teamed up. It's been a lot more in sync. The communication's better. And that has allowed this team to not give up early leads, which has allowed the running game to be a factor and has made Taylor Heineke not feel like he has to force throw. So I think, of course, there's all these things work together. But to me, a more complete, more united, and a more productive secondary, thanks to Kendall Fuller, being a lot more steady thanks to Landon Collins being put in better spots etc has helped the entire program uh just go a lot better
0: it's interesting right like I thought but when the season started like I I wouldn't call the group a strength because we've been here for too many years where that was a big weakness but to me it was like okay I like their pieces um we'll see how Landon Collins is coming back from the injury we'll see how Benjamin St. Juice is as a rookie but like in you know how William Jackson fits in but in general it looked like they had some interesting pieces, and like the idea was okay. St. Juice can play the outside. You put Fuller on the inside, where he's like a, a, maybe not better on the inside, but like a guy who's you know seemingly with it as a reputation of being pretty good. We'll see about Bobby McCain, Cam Crow There's reason to be optimistic. And then, as you said, nothing seemed to work. William Jackson was getting beat a lot, or at least it, it it seemed like he was the one getting beat. We kept hearing about miscommunication. The Landon Collins journey. You know, he's the one constantly it feels like on the back end of guys run, you know, getting passes down the field. Eventually, they do make the move. I think you may have heard about it. Landon Collins is yeah. something else, whatever Don't we want. Don't say it. Don't, yeah, whatever. You know, he's playing in some other position. Uh, Cam Curl's now the, the true, I think, lead safety, you could say, back there. I think Bobby McCain has been a pretty solid presence. Um, William Jackson, since he came back from his injury, we haven't seen him getting beat. And Kendall Fuller, you know, he makes, obviously, the big interception of the two-point play to, to russell wilson um the other component is and ron brought this up danny johnson's essentially now taken over as the slot st juice has been out the last couple of games he did have the concussion don't know but he's been playing special teams a little bit so i'm assuming it's not that he can't play so that's been an interesting um di- di- dynamic w- w- what do you i guess like make of like the fact that like i don't know if i would say who's like the, well i guess what do you make of sort of just the, the idea of like the, the switching around that it just did you buy that they had to figure out what they had? Did it take too long? Were they unwilling to move Landon Collins? Whatever. I mean, what, for what, I, that's what's interesting to me is like what took so long yeah. to figure this out?
1: Yeah, it, it is a maddening thing, and you can say that about the operation as a whole. Why did they have to go uh, two and six before going on this three-game heater here? And same thing last year. But I guess they did just have a lot of movable pieces. We always hear the term position flex is a good thing, but sometimes maybe it's a difficult thing because. A guy who can do two things you don't know which thing he should do first and which thing he should do second but they found the right recipe now Landon has looked totally different I am now like uh looking forward 20s on the field and like the things he's doing as opposed to just asking them to put in any safety with a pulse and a helmet to replace him and Kendall Fuller is another guy who I think earlier in the year he was surprisingly bad he was out of position he was getting beat he wasn't making tackles and he's kind of the most consistent of the bunch I thought and you we're surprised to see a player who's so smart and has such a good reputation struggle so badly, but even him, he had to be put in a little better spot. So, yeah, I think maybe the coaches were a bit stubborn early on, but I also give them credit for sticking to it and the players for not – losing their minds because that secondary did not look like it was a fun place to play for a while, but they kept saying how they're still uh, playing together and had good chemistry and it was going to work out. And right now it's working out.
0: So one thing that's interesting to me a little bit is so Rivera keeps saying, if I say excuse, I don't mean he's making an excuse, but he's trying to explain the situation is that, Hey, well, we have a lot of new pieces in the secondary start of the year, and this would apply to other units as well. And that, you know, it takes some time to get guys going and so on and so on. Here's my only thing. I mean, look, the part of the reason why we're all stunned that they were where they are is because they had another slow start again. We could sort of explain away last year because Dwayne Haskins new coach Pandemic was a lot happening. Less so this time because you were coming in with higher expectations. You added some interesting vets. Yes, we there were the injuries um to especially on offense. But when he talked about that you have guys who were going to come in new and you have to acclimate Well, here's the thing. Bobby McCain is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. We'll see if Landon Collins is back. We all, I think, kind of assumed he might be gone as a salary cap cut, but who who, who knows? Danny Johnson, if he's now the nickelback, he's technically a free agent. And then across the the, the, the other positions, offensive line, Charles Leno, Brandon Sheriff could be gone, so on and so on. So it's an interesting dynamic to use that as a storyline where when this is the part of where we are with the NFL, where if you're going to bring in guys on one-year deals and it's a constant turnover to that end, then you're always going to have... This. So you can't – I don't know if that can be an excuse all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's recently gone to this uh, when we talk about the secondaries. Like, I didn't have the same secondary for nine years in Carolina. And you almost want to say, well, if it hasn't happened in nine years, it's probably not going to happen in the future here in Washington. So, you, that, that I don't think it's a great excuse either or whatever explanation, a take, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I guess you just have to hope that they can maybe scout a little bit better, find better players that they can – that fit their mold quicker and and don't have to take so much time to get up to speed. So, yeah, it's the world of sports. Free agency trades, no one has the same roster anymore. And uh, I think sometimes Ron likes to make some of these challenges out like they're unique to this park when every team deals with injuries and turnover and things not going the way they want. And luckily they've been better suited to handle that adversity recently when earlier on in the year it was it was not going that way.
0: Yeah it is always interesting to hear how the coach in particular, I mean, really anybody, because we're asking human beings to explain who they are as people and their jobs and whatever else. But to ha- Ron in particular, who is, you know, when we dealt with Jay Gruden. I mean, Jay Gruden, I think, sort <laughs> of viewed this as a necessary evil. He didn't really want to have these conversations with us. He wasn't looking to give deep thoughts. He was just the guy that liked to coach football and wanted to go do that. Whereas Ron, I think, really does like to try to explain what's happening. So to hear his explanations on things is interesting. Um, and, and obviously, he's had to try to sort through all this. Um, And, you know, look, to his credit, I don't know what it is. Well, I guess I shouldn't say I don't know what it is. Here they do go again. They are surging again. This is what Ron Rivera teams do. They, they do get better. I joked that, like, as somebody who's reached, let's just say, the middle age, the middle part of my life, maybe
1: I need Ron to, like, coach me up to make sure my <laughs> second half of my, yeah. my my life is better. Than, than, yeah, you've hit your bye week in life. Now I need to make sure you make the playoffs. Right. That's Although
0: somebody said to me, man, I hope your first half of your life wasn't a two and six uh, yeah. situation. Um,
1: You're at least 500, I think.
0: Uh, depends on the <laughs> – there's definitely a lot of maturity and discipline questions. Yeah. I, I'm not going <laughs> to argue. With, with, with that. And that's the one thing, though, I give I give Ron is that, like, I remember even last year, they were starting off terribly, and the players kept coming in here and repeating the same lines that he has, be where your feet are, and so on. And that said to me, they are listening to what he's saying. And then the fact that then it rallied, and you could see, you know, we only get these little snippets, and it's always after the win of how excited they are in the locker room, but it always seems pretty genuine, and I don't ever really get the sense that there's any kind of dissension or rift, you know there's the alex smith situation but mm-hmm. the, i think it was pretty unique to the to the world that's something i'll give, I'll give ron a credit beyond x's and o's he does seem to be able to tap into these guys on an emotional personal level and that does seem to translate over time and that to me that's above so much as what's happening as anything else
1: yeah i think there are types of head coaches in the nfl you have your x's and o's guys who are really good at scheming things up and put their guys in amazing spots but then maybe you have people like ron who aren't the best with in-game strategy, and they annoy you with timeout usage, and sometimes they they confuse you with fourth down calls. But they're good at the people management and they're and keeping the locker room together. Because, like I said earlier about the secondary, this first couple months sucked for everyone. And you pointed out the thing about the sayings, and I started picking up on it too. Like, all right. Ron hasn't lost he may have lost the radio callers the podcast listeners the story readers but he hasn't lost the people who play football every Sunday and that's really all that matters and um, you see it with the locker room speeches and how he interacts with guys pre-game goes up and shakes every one of their hands and it, it does seem like he has a really good pulse on them and he treats them well and they want to play for him so regardless of how things go early on I think there is a, a long-term buy-in with Rivera that people who may be his detractors need to factor in because again he's not the most brilliant maybe or, or the, the best at picking players as we've seen with some free agent choices struggling early on here. But he does have, I think, a really good uh, grasp on how to keep a locker room united and that makes a, a ma- major difference, especially when things are uh, troublesome.
0: I'm going to completely spring this on you. You are a guy like me who doesn't mind looking at the, uh, the lines, yeah. so to speak. Um, what have you noticed anything from like a, let's just say a player prop perspective we are going to vegas after all i mean gambling is pretty legal everywhere at this point but yeah. we're going to vegas yeah. is there anything from a, a player prop perspective you've noticed that not necessarily saying you're offering advice yeah. but in terms of the game itself that stands out to you like is if, if i said to you go pick what player do you want to look at from a prop perspective for this game because you either think that a it could be on either team but either a because there's a reason that this player may. Be a, this is a game to watch for this player, or maybe it's the opposite, that like, there's a strength of either Washington or Vegas that says, eh, I don't know if this is a guy that I'm that excited about this week.
1: Oh, I love that, Ben. Love that a lot. Um, one thing I liked last week was Heineke to throw a pick, and we know that there had been all this talk about the running game and limiting Heineke's workload, but I still think if you give him enough pass attempts, he's going to throw an interception, and on Monday night he had a little more pass attempts than had in the two wins and I think this weekend will be another one where like Washington got really comfortable with Seattle's futility and just kind of let them screw themselves up and waited for the clock to expire I think on Sunday in Vegas the Raiders are going to be able to do enough score enough points and make Heineke have to do a little more at quarterback so I think anything this there might be a dip in his pass attempts and his passing yards and his interceptions touchdown numbers because of how often they've been running the ball I think you can get a lot of overs on Heineke over a half interception over 33 and a half pass attempts whatever it is and you can look good because I think they'll lean on him a lot more this Sunday and that will lead to good things like more yards and maybe a couple turnovers too
0: all right now let's get to the real main attraction here this is for you a big this is a big game you're going you're going on the road and you're going to Vegas you've (laughs) not been you've not been to Vegas yet um, I've been to Vegas way too many times to count, so I'm excited to see it through the eyes of a rookie. <laughs> what, 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 like, what, what in your head are you imagining? Like, what, what are you picturing? Like, what are you most excited about? Um, you know, you, well, we can be real. You don't have to yeah. say the game. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see the new state that oh, stadium. Sure. To be honest, especially in the context of this place, yeah. we will keep talking about stadiums. So I'll go for that. Yeah. But in terms of the rest of it, you can be real. Nobody's listening. Yeah. certainly not your parents. <laughs> Who? What? 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 What do you want to know? What? What are you excited about to
1: see when you get out there? Yeah, my mom calls podcast ipod so there's zero chance she's among your millions of <laughs> listeners but i just one thing there's all the stuff i can't wait to double down and play blackjack and, and have drinks coming left and right but one thing that i was kind of sleeping on that mitch Tischler reminded me of is college football out there starts at 9 a.m yeah. so i think saturday morning my breakfast is not going to be cheerios and uh you know an apple it's going to be some bud lights And some parlays on various college football games and sitting in a sports book so that's going to be tremendous but all of it just walking down seeing the various casinos the various environments the various characters i can't wait i get out there friday 10 a.m vegas time and i'm going to be soaking it all in as soon as we get out there and it's i'm thankful ben i've been had this date serving on my calendar i thought maybe i wouldn't be able to make it but i have by some grace of god and uh, no fomo for me i'll be a part of it with all of you,
0: yeah, I know the, the coaches like to tell everybody don't look ahead to the schedule. Oh, that was an impossibility with, with with this one no no we definitely were looking ahead <laughs> you know no offense to uh you know Charlotte in the last game, but you know yeah, yeah we we got to get through this i'm glad that, that's why it's good We you know everybody came out with a win in Charlotte. the team. The the rest of us because it's like all right you know what we we need we need to look past, we we're looking past you yeah. and here we are, um we're we're, we're heading to, we're heading to Vegas um all right well so lastly uh I guess just what are your thoughts like what what is going to happen this is a really interesting one because, you know look I think we're all trying to make heads or tails is this team actually good right I just I, I participate in our power rankings over mm-hmm. in the Athletic and you know you rank the teams one to thirty two this is how power rankings work Indeed. and when I did it this week I was like man I don't think there's ten teams I want to put in the top ten. Like, legitimately feel. It's not just a matter of the order. Like, I don't feel good about them. Mm. Which is sort of the point of, like, I don't know who's good in this league anymore. And Washington, you know, if you wanted to tell me right now they're the 12th best team or the 20. I don't know. It, it could be in any way. You know, Carolina looks like they're sort of going the wrong way. Seattle clearly is going the wrong way. The Raiders, they had just lost three in a row. But they do beat Dallas on Thursday. Whether that says more about either one of those teams is up for the other Raiders, as much as we talk about the, what's going on crazy with this organization the Raiders have had an insane Mm -hmm. amount including they have a new head coach since the season started um it's hard for me to read this I think Derek Carr though is a pretty legit quarterback and they've got you know weapons I guess there's also the Darren Waller situation so um injury situation so it's hard to read for me the Raiders to what they are but we know this team's got momentum so from your perspective what do you think for this game
1: I think Washington wins I think they are just building something special right now and I Looked back to last year, since so I was having conversations about, okay, of course you want to beat Tampa after you're by Super Bowl champs. You get up for that. Carolina, your coach used to coach there. Easy to get up for that. Monday Night Football against the Seahawks, easy to do that. But Vegas, what's the thing with Vegas? It's it's a Sunday game, short week, no real ties to that organization. Well, last year when the Jack Chief, Del Rio. Sure.
0: He's I, the one guy that didn't have a Carolina tie and right. now we get his team.
1: Yeah, I guess Del Rio could tell the D-line to go like destroy the Raiders for him, but I don't know if they'll buy in. But... Last year, when they beat the Steelers, they went out to San Fran six days later. That was another game that wasn't even in the right stadium. It was in Arizona. So that felt like a good letdown spot for this team, and they beat the Niners. The Raiders are better than the Niners, but I think this is a good example of I don't think we need to be fearing a letdown. I think this team is inspired enough on its own. They're feeling good enough about themselves where they don't need a theme or a narrative to get up for a game. So I think they will bring it. Uh, I think the Raiders will be— The best opponent they've had since tampa obviously Carolina and seahawks not not a lot to speak of but i do think washington wins and it's going to be tight it's going to be a little more high scoring but i think this formula is something they can pack to the west coast run the ball down their throats be smart with heineke and, and put up some points and
0: just to tack on to what you said about them not letting down i think the number one asset that we maybe sleep on with heineke is we talk we say he's a gamer or whatever But there is something to be said for that. He always shows up, especially in late in the games. Whatever we want to say, he's not tall enough. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not a prototype quarterback. But that attitude is something that Ron Rivera looks for, teammates gravitate towards, and I think that means you're going to be in games. It doesn't always mean you're going to win, doesn't mean it gives you your best upside, but it means you're going to be in games and that is half the battle because, like you know, I think they beat Tampa Bay in part because Tampa Bay was not nearly as engaged, it felt, as they probably needed to be for an NFL game, yeah. regardless of the opponent. Yeah, so-
1: I'll just interrupt you as the host of the podcast, sure. i the guest, you invited me. Sure. It, it expands beyond that. I mean, DeAndre Carter's fighting for his life as an NFL player. The defensive ends, the backups, and the backup backups want to impress every week. they aren't a lot of established veterans even your young guys like Terry McLaurin I don't think we'll ever doubt Terry McLaurin being having his head screwed on straight like an Odell Beckham or somebody like that so I think the way this team is built all the injuries have maybe put them in a spot where the second string are going to be so locked in do the extra stuff and know that they have to be on their S to play well
0: absolutely uh you are a man of many talents and platforms. Tell everybody where they can uh, find you and, and your various things.
1: Very kind of you. Pete Haley, NBCS. That is H A I L E Y, Pete Haley, NBCS. And on TikTok, Pete Dash Haley.
0: How I'm, about that? I'm legitimately sure that is the first tw- TikTok promo There's no way, like
1: matt paris or michael phillips are plugging tiktok no. i wanted to make history yes you did you did <laughs> on that pete i appreciate it man thank okay. you
0: see you. all right as promised joining me here on the podcast you know him you love him he is the man who watches all the film so you don't have to he is mark bullock mark first off uh you know what i'm such a dope i was about to say hope you had a good thanksgiving of course you are literally <laughs> the only person i could be talking about the football team who is not dealing with such things so hope hope, i'll just say happy holiday season we're getting close enough to that for me to say that hope all is is well
2: in your world Uh, yeah for for anyone that doesn't know i am english and we we don't really celebrate thanksgiving over here but uh yeah um i I mean i still celebrated by uh watching a few games of football and having a a nice thursday so yeah it was a nice holiday season i suppose
0: there you go um (laughs) Yeah, and I appreciate it. Obviously, as everybody knows, Mark um, has obviously been covering the team for, for years through, through through film. He's got his own sub stack that you should definitely subscribe to. Um, and obviously, follow him on Twitter at Mark Bullock NFL. And uh, Mark, you know, part of the conversation is what this team is during this winning streak is what is changing? What is the biggest difference? And there's always – it's never just one thing. There's a lot of different variables. But I think for me, for the defense – it's obviously incredibly weird that they seem to be playing better with no Chase Young and no Montez Sweat. And their backups are guys who are seventh-round pick and undrafted players and things along those lines. But it feels to me like the biggest difference, and this started maybe even right before the, the winning streak took off, was in the secondary. And it coincided, for me, somewhere around the point when Ron Rivera told us publicly, all right, here's the deal. Landon Collins is no longer playing safety. I mean, you can. We we we're, we're gonna sort of dance around the term because clearly it's a big deal to him. He's not really playing safety anymore. Even then, it took Rivera a couple of weeks to say, "Okay, he's playing the Buffalo nickel spot that Cam Curl made popular last year." Um, and it seems like ever since that's happened, and again, even within that context, I'm sure there's other variables. Kendall Fuller is playing more outside. William Jackson's healthier, it appears. Things like that. That one move to me seems to have transformed this defense and combined with maybe playing more two deep safeties with cam curl and and bobby mccain um i'll stop talking and let you explain for your perspective from the from the reason why it appears the secondary has been better of late is it the landon collins move or is there something else going on here that uh you think is has changed things
2: yeah so i i will start off by saying the defense is not better off without Chase Young and Montez Sweat I I think there is a a big misconception about around Washington fans right now that it's I think it's putting two and two together and getting five that you know suddenly Chase Young and Montez Sweat both go out and suddenly they've won three games and the defense looks good it's not because those guys aren't playing like the 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 defensive ends yes they they were freelancing a little bit um more as in in pass rushing than in, in the run game um but that that doesn't like just because they might have freelanced and, and not had the best rush doesn't mean that it was their fault that William Jackson wasn't getting a play call and was trying to defend the same player that Landon Collins was in the flat and, and leaving a, a receiver go wide open down the field, you know? So like it, it it's not due to Colin uh, – it's not due to Chase Young and Montez Sweat not being in the team. Um, I, I think, as you say, it's been kind of a factor of um, – the, the different guys getting on the same page, uh, William Jackson getting back healthy and and the defense kind of simplifying what they're trying to do now. Um, and, and Landon Collins finding his role. Um, as you say, we, we can't really call it a linebacker because he doesn't want to be a linebacker. They, they've called it um, a Buffalo nickel. They've called it a, a drop-down safety most recently. It, it's it's kind of a mix of all of that. Um, he, he plays, him and Cam Car are playing a fairly similar role when they play a single deep safety um, coverage with, with Bobby McCain playing deep and and Curl and Collins kind of play what what's known as apex or overhang defenders where they're they're kind of like at the depth of a linebacker they're not quite over the slot receivers they're they're kind of in between a linebacker and a and a nickel corner um, and, and they're both doing it on either side of the field and and that is bringing them some some real good success um, and as you said when they're when they're playing some two deep coverages it, it's Cam Curl that goes back and, and plays the the deep half with or a deep quarter with, with Bobby McCain, and, and Collins stays underneath. And that, that suits Collins' strengths, where he can keep everything in front of him and, and play downhill, and, and that's why we've seen Collins playing a lot better. Um, in, in the secondary, with the, with the corners on the outside, you mentioned Kendall Fuller's been moved back outside. Um, that's helped him a lot. He was struggling quite a bit in the slot. Um, William Jackson, as, a, as I mentioned, kind of playing a little bit healthier and, and seems to have got on the same page with everyone. Um, and, and I think a lot of that is down to that they're playing a lot more simpler coverages. That they're, they're not trying to do some pattern matching. They're not playing as much man coverage. That they're, they're playing a lot more zone coverage over the last few weeks, over the win streak. Um, and it's not particularly uh, advanced or diverse zone coverages. It's a lot of cover three. It's a lot of quarters. Um, there's some fire zones where it's basically three deep, three under, and they send a fifth rush, uh, fifth rusher. To,
0: and just to sure. just to, just to emphasize your point about the zone um according to true media over the during the three game winning streak they're playing zone 83.7 percent of the snaps um yeah. i don't have the exact comparison to what it was in the during the first eight games but it definitely wasn't that um and there yeah. were some games where they were playing you know even a bit more man depending on the the the, the opponent so not, not not more man than zone but just more man in general sure. um so so yeah so that's definitely been a uh a, a big difference sorry go ahead
2: no, yeah, no, they they definitely are they're they're playing more zone and, and and they're playing more basic zones where it's it's not um a case of like you're matching your coverage to different routes and, and reading the, the receivers how they release and if someone goes outside I'm taking him, but if he goes inside, then I have to look for this other guy. Um it, it's a lot less complicated than that right now. Um they're still still doing a bit of that, but for the most part it's um kind of drop to your spot uh cover three quarters um and as i said the fire zones where where they rush a fifth guy and it's three deep three underneath and um and that's working for them uh and the pressure up front from from guys like jonathan allen has helped but um the the different blitz schemes they've they've used it has been decent but yeah it's uh it's basically a case of they've simplified things a lot more um kind of got back to what they were doing last year um and they've kind of they figured out the right roles for curl and Collins and McCain um, and, and William Jackson and, and Kendall Fuller. And they kind of got everyone on the same page now. And that's why everything's looking a lot smoother and they're having a lot more success.
0: So just so I, I looked it up really quick that they, they were playing zone 63.4% in weeks one to four or sorry, weeks one to eight. So it's a 20% jump up now in, in, in the zone usage um, compared to, compared to before um so look the landon collins thing look he's obviously look, let's start with the positives right he's obviously playing and i would i would probably say it feels like he's playing the best he's played since he's been in washington in 2019 so much has happened since then i don't remember but I, I you know, i feel pretty confident that 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 was the case because the, the concerns about him were, you know look they existed the moment he was signed they seem to get they seem to grow and then you know last year he was really struggling before the injury and then this year you know he looks spry coming out of um training camp and so on but using him you know where he's being exposed on the back end just always had problems and it was weird because right this was a conversation all of us were having during the offseason cam curl seemed like the better fit to play the safety position you know in, in in sort of the way you need to like the modern era of being able to play on the back end because he's got corner skills and a little more fluid of an athlete and he's not coming off an Achilles there. Um, but they didn't do that. And Cam Curl had, get, like his, his snaps weren't even that high relatively speaking early on in the season. He he went up like six games in a row, I think with his snap count or snap percentage in part, because it wasn't like, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't the 20% but it was like in the, like the seventies. Now he's on the field for every play. And it's just kind of like, okay, what, what took you so long? Like, oh, this man. doesn't seem like, it, it doesn't seem like this is, you know, I, I, I'm going to give the, co- you know, you give the coaches credit to a degree, but it's kind of like, eh, you kind of waited too long. And it does feel like, in, and this is outside of your film expertise, but it does feel like this was a case of they recognize the pride involved with Landon Collins to the degree that it really means so much for him to be called a safety. Even after this last game, Landon, you had a, you had a big four fumble. You were making plays around the line of the scrimmage. But, you, but, but you're, but we good with this position switch now? And he's like, nah, not really. Hmm. Uh, so he, and, and Ron Rivera said, you know, whatever we want to call him, you can call him a, some kind of safety. You know, he likes that basically. It's it's interesting. I mean, we can talk about all these other components about strategy and, and, and technique or whatever, but a lot of what is work, what, what, what a coach has to deal with is the human element of pride and emotions. And this is the most obvious case to me for this team of where the coach had to say, I guess, I can't do what we probably should do immediately, and I think on some level that costs them, but again, to everybody's credit, it's working now, and Atlanta Collins is playing you know a really good brand of football,
2: yeah, for sure like uh I, I as you say, it is a source of pride for the guys and and you know to there is a bit of a a saying that goes around that safeties are corners that aren't athletic enough and and to then be told that you're not athletic enough to be safe to play safety or you're not good enough to cover to play safety. It's another ego hit and say, just saying that you're a linebacker. It kind of means we don't believe your ability to cover and you're not athletic enough or, or um, you know, you're not fast enough and that kind of thing. And so I can see why that would be kind of a, an ego hit and um, a safety like Collins would be um, a bit prideful about that. And, you know, he he was very open and honest when he talked about it earlier in the season. Like, there there is another part of it that he is a smaller body in terms of a uh, a linebacker. He, he's what 6'2 or something like that, and two twenty pounds or something. That that's a very small linebacker. Um, and you know, if he's officially a linebacker, he's up in the box and he, he has to take on blocks from offensive linemen that are a hundred pounds plus. More on him, you know, and a guy that started his career as a safety probably doesn't want to have to take on and try to beat the guys that are 100 pounds heavier than him. He probably doesn't want to have to deal with that. So I can understand the resistance, but in the role that he's playing now, uh, it's not quite a linebacker and it's not quite a safety. It's kind of everything mixed in. Um, I I think they're keeping him clean enough in this spot where he's not getting mixed up with those big bodies as often. Um, And uh, I, I I think it's just a case of yeah you you don't want to call him a a linebacker because it's a it's a pride thing but um and I understand that but you know call him a buffalo nickel or make up whatever term you want to call the role but um he, he's playing playing really effectively in that role whatever it is
0: so here's the thing I don't understand and I remember when uh so the Green Bay game was the game where Landon Collins' snaps went down a bunch. Danny Johnson was playing a bunch, a lot more as the fifth defensive back. And it looked to me like, okay, here's where things are headed, right? L- Landon Collins, when they want to go five defensive backs, like ultimately the other teams, when it, if they use a lot of three receivers or they, they send running backs out, of, you know, pass catching running backs or tight ends or whatever, if he's the fifth defensive back, he's still, you know, what we can call it whatever we want to call it, he's still going to be exposed in the passing game. Teams are going to scheme it such that he is moved out in the position. He's going to have to run with somebody deep. So if he's going to be out in that role, that's going to be a problem. So maybe ultimately it's going to have to be, he's the sixth defensive back. You take out Jamin Davis or Cole Holcomb and he effectively is the second linebacker. And then that way you can keep him more into the line. But since then, then in the Denver game, Denver just didn't attack him in in that way. and He ended up playing a bunch again. From what my sense was from the Denver side was just basically it's not Teddy Bridgewater's game to throw down the field and they were just kind of worrying about themselves. And that is something I I think is over often looked in the NFL or really in any sport. In a regular season, when you're kind of doing your own thing, you can't adjust completely to the other opponent dramatically all the time, unless you're Bill Belichick. Everybody else, it's it's just not easy to do, but at some level you have to work on yourself. You can't just every week, completely shift things around to deal with the other team. So it's not like Landon Collins isn't, so he's sitting there, but it doesn't feel like based on just the sort of watching the game on TV and then doing some film stuff, that teams are citing him, scheming their moving pieces around to then say, now we got this guy in a situation where he's going to have to defend a, a, a receiver deep or Washington is doing a really good job of avoiding that or whatever what's the deal why aren't teams going at landon collins in a way that makes him have to cover deep just but even if washington says no no we want him by the box if he's the fifth defensive back he's got to cover somebody right
2: yeah it's a case of that that that's why they've made that switch to playing war zone um and they're having him play um all the underneath the zones that and um and playing a lot of flats and um you know, the hook curl zones and cover three and stuff like that. So he's, he's playing the underneath zone. So even when they have him lined up over a slot receiver, he, he doesn't always have to carry that guy deep. He, he can, um, you know, he can shuffle out and, and affect the route and, and kind of get his hands on a guy and widen the route, but then he can just pass him off to the guys behind him and sink off to his zone or um get his eyes in the backfield and, and look for another route that might be coming across the field from the other side. So um, they're, they're doing a very good job of putting in positions where he can keep the play in front of him. Um, and that is the key for him is that they're, they're not exposing him to having to turn and run with anything. Um, it's, that's where the uptick in, in zone coverage has come from. Because um, as you said, when, when Danny Johnson started getting some more reps in the slot, Um, That was when they were still playing a a bit more man coverage or the match coverage stuff. Um, And and that's where Collins was getting exposed. And and that's why they needed a a, a more of a cover guy like Johnson in the slot. Um, But when they, when they go to almost pure zone, as you said, I think it's like 80% over the last few weeks, it's, it's a case of they can, they can kind of protect Collins a little bit by, by keeping him underneath and, 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 um, and not having him have to, turn and run and, and let him work downhill where he works best
0: um it's ironic that we had right as we had agreed to do this there was actually news regarding the secondary uh, washington is going to place benjamin st juice on ir um i was told and the that team has not made that official yet um he obviously you know in terms of this broader switch part like originally when the year started I was thinking, okay, maybe Landon Collins is going to play a bit less because if Benjamin St. Juice, you know, he's a rookie. So automatically you have to be you know, wonder how it's gonna how he's hell adjusts just playing. But you know, good size. They clearly liked him. Uh, if he's able to play outside, that gets get, let Kendall Fuller play inside. We always hear about Kendall Fuller in the slot. This is a good space for him. And if the team recognizes that Cam Curl's got to be on the field, then maybe it's gonna be less for Landon Collins. Um, you know, yada yada yada. Uh and that, it wasn't going that way, it was going sort of the other way. Collins was playing, Curl was playing less. But then in week four, St. um gets a concussion against Atlanta, he misses the next week, comes back, but then eventually, but then later misses uh, the Tampa game also with a concussion. And he's only played special teams the last two games before he's, but now he's going on um, IR. I, we asked Ron, I asked Ron Rivera about, the combination of Fuller playing more outside and St. Juice limited role. And he kind of just, whatever played it off that Danny Johnson's been doing a really good job in the slot. Kendall Fuller is you know a good player and they're not giving up on St. Juice. Then the next day St. Juice is back on the injury report with concussion protocol. Rivera doesn't give too much insight into that. Now he's going on here. So obviously he's sounds to me like he's got lingering effects from this concussion. I don't know if he's had a second concussion. I think it's still sort of dealing with the first one. Um, so all that said, um, th- that's going to, it, 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 I guess it just limits the depth that they have now there. Uh, presumably Daryl Roberts could be back here soon. I think I got to double check. I think this is the last week he's eligible to be on the 21 day cycle after IR that they have to make a, a, a move on him. Unless I've lost track of time. I haven't had my coffee yet. Apologies. Um, but so if he comes back, obviously gives a little bit more depth. Um, this lastly, therefore, in the secondary, getting, the, look, I, 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 you know, I get, I, I'll take the hit when I make some things wrong, but I always get credit, I always get tagged as the Danny Johnson guy, because I liked him back when he was an undrafted free agent, nobody, he's now stuck around, I always kept thinking he could play corner, they didn't seem to be interested in that last year, he played zero defensive snaps, now he's playing, and it seems like he's doing a pretty solid job, he always plays bigger, I think, than his size, I'm not saying he's uh, the greatest slot corner, but I think he's done a pretty solid job, what's your sense of that? And, and I guess to that end, like, what is their concern with this group anywhere? If if it's Danny teams targeting Danny Johnson eventually or anything else, what what are your, I'll, I'll stop talking. What What's your <laughs> sense of, 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 uh, of all that?
2: Yeah, I, I think, um, I think the move outside has been good for Kendall Fuller um, because he was struggling in the slot when they were, they were playing more man coverage. Um, and, and when, when he played in the slot uh, when he was here before the Alex Smith trade, um, they were playing a lot of pattern matching coverages and, and a lot of zone coverages and, and Fuller excelled in that. And, and he's very, very good when he can play often with vision and, and anticipate routes and use his, his his football intelligence and his film study to 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 break on routes underneath and um, playing in the slot in, in this scheme to start the year, he, he wasn't doing that. He was a, a lot more up at the line of scrimmage and, and it's much harder to um, play press coverage. He's he's not a particularly long corner. He's not a particularly fast corner. Um, so it's hard to play press coverage against uh, when you when you're not the the biggest or longest guy uh, against slot receivers that are quicker than you and, and can go either way without the help of the sideline. So um, I think him moving outside has really helped, and he and, and he's kind of gone back to where he was last year, where he can play off him with vision, and they can play zone coverages, and 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 that really helps him. Um, Danny Johnson, as you say, he, he's had a couple of nice plays. He had a real good one uh, against the Panthers uh, a few weeks ago where he broke up a pass on, on something like a third and four um, on a concept that uh, Washington has been beat on all season. Um, and the Panthers clearly saw that and tried it again. And, and Danny Johnson clearly has done his homework and, and saw it was coming and broke it up. So uh, that was a pretty, pretty flashy play that, that caught the eye um but otherwise again they're playing a lot of zone coverages so um as a slot corner you, you you're playing either a curl zone or a flat zone um and so um, as long as he can kind of uh drop to his spot um maybe impact any receiver that the releases nearby um and kind of you know, shove them off their, their path a little bit, just to impact their route and, and their release and then get to his spot and get his eyes on the quarterback and, and, and make tackles. And and he is definitely someone that is, um, even despite his size, he, he likes to come up and, and make a hit and, and make tackles. And, and he does a pretty good job of that. Um, as long as they're keeping everything in front of him, um, he does pretty well. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's done fine. Um, I, I think the, um, with the Saint Jude situation, it is it, it's it does hit their depth. Um, uh, uh, obviously, it, it, it sucks to have a rookie going to miss out a lot of playing time. Um, but with with Fuller playing better on the outside and, and William Jackson starting to get up to speed with what they're asking him to do in this in this system, uh, I I don't think. I I think they're better off with those two guys on the outside right now. Um, And St. Juice isn't a slot corner. So I I don't think he'd be playing right now, barred an injury to Fuller or Jackson anyway. So um, hopefully Jackson and Fuller stay healthy. And and then it's just a case of St. Juice wouldn't have played anyway. Um, But obviously if, if one of them gets hurt, then, then you have questions of, of who steps up outside.
0: Um. Yeah. By the way, I was thinking you keep you keep mentioning a curl zone. Do we have to do we have to eventually start calling what they're doing a Collins zone. <laughs>
2: no, it's a curl zone for uh, the, uh, a curl route. Well, I know, they, but yeah, I'm just saying like if they're zone.
0: if they playing more zone because of Landon Collins, maybe we should call it the Collins zone. <laughs> um. Um. And I don't want to derail this, and because I want to get touch on a couple other things, but with St. Juice, you know, I'm gonna probably write about this later on at some point. So no, don't steal this until I do. Um, okay. but like with him, he, he, if he's going to IR, they just put Sam Cosby on IR. You know, I do want to ask about Jamie Davis in a second, but you know, he's at, at a minimum had a relatively slow rookie season. Uh, De'Ami Brown has, you know, become uh, gone from starter to really kind of being not, uh, essentially a non-factor. The, the rookie class has been collectively underwhelming this year. Um, which is, you know, it only makes what they're doing kind of even more remarkable when you figure if you're like if you thought I would have thought if they were going to have any success this year, it's it's not just that these the pieces they brought back, but that these rookies would have to be contributing. Um, you know, obviously because that's generally how these things work. There they they comprise, you know, you know almost a fifth of the roster. Right? Or, you know when you when you include Jared Patterson and all that, and yet they really haven't been, and yet the team is still functioning even you know, with the injury. So it's kind of interesting on that front um let me ask you this I, i'm just gonna spring this on you so i do want to get on a top, couple topics but i also want to keep you here forever so if i throw out a name what, what do you think can we do like a twitter-sized answer for each thing like we'll just go rat-a-tat-tat you give me a quick thought on on what you think of this guy and, and then we'll pe- people will then oh. go back to read your sub stack later on these guys yeah we can give it a go all right so let's go to jamon davis obviously he started off pretty slow this year he's been out in the field more Lately, in part, large part because of the John Bostic situation, but while I haven't, while the splash plays are still not there, I don't know that I'm seeing him getting picked on a ton. There's still some concerns, but what what what's your basic you know thirty second take on what his evolution has been this year?
2: Yeah, the game's slowing down for him, um, and and that's allowing him to uh, to read the play and react and play more on instincts than um, at, at the start of the season he was very much slow um and paused and frozen while the play was happening and, and trying to figure out is the running back keeping the ball is the quarterback keeping the ball uh what exactly is happening and, and where do i need to go and and now he's playing a lot faster he's, he's not quite where he he you would hope he would be certainly as a first round pick um, but um he's getting there he's progressing slowly each week um and and he's certainly as you say he's not the liability that he was at the start of the season um which kept him out of the lineup he's he's playing a lot better um he's fitting the run a lot quicker um and and so that's a a step in the right direction but still quite a few steps to go
0: um it always threw me whenever we would see chase young drop into coverage because it was like really like I understand from a scheme perspective this is maybe something you want to try, but it seemed from a talent perspective this didn't make a lot of sense to have Chase Young, you know, one of your best pass rushers, doing this, using him in a lesser way. It seems to me that, and I will admit I have not had a chance to go back and watch the Seahawks game yet, but I remember thinking in the Panthers game that Casey Tuhill, who was a linebacker in college, was they were using more five, they were using some five defensive linemen set against Carolina. Um, and two hill was playing sort of up as the end, but also a little bit of a linebacker. I don't know how much he was doing that this week, but is there some world in which for what Jack Del Rio is trying to do with some of this, that actually having two hill is better than having Chase Young? Again, I'm not talking about talent perspective or, or, or and you losing the splash play opportunity, but like that there's something there with having that guy who could do different things maybe that's kind of working a little bit for what del rio is trying to accomplish
2: it's working in that it, it's working about the same amount schematically it's working more in that it does it doesn't result in fans screaming why the hell is that guy not rushing right. uh, as you say like when you see last year they ran that those kind of blitzes a lot because offensive lines were sliding to chase young and if they slide to chase young and he drops out into coverage they're blocking nobody and you can send an extra guy off the other side and then they have nobody to account for that extra rusher off the other side um and that's essentially what they're doing now with casey Twohill. um it gives them the flexibility to disguise a little bit more of who's rushing um they can still rush just four or they can rush five but the the extra guy instead of it being always the front four and maybe Cole Holcomb it can be maybe the three defensive tackles it could be Alan Payne and Ionides, and then it can be joined by a Landon Collins or a Cam Curl or a Holcomb and Jamin Davis they can pick any kind of two from anywhere else and that makes it easier to disguise who's coming and it makes it harder for protection schemes to kind of pick up those guys um, and it can really attack the different protection schemes that that teams use. Um, But that was something they did last year and had success and and offensive lines would slide to chase young. And then they'd bring Collins or curl or Holcomb, whoever off the other side and they'd come completely free and it would cause a lot of problems. Um, This year uh, teams weren't sliding to chase young quite so much because he was getting chipped a lot um, early and then he slowed down and he wasn't as effective and, um, so they weren't sliding to him as much, but when when they drop him into coverage, they just didn't pick the the offense had a better protection seen called and it didn't quite work out. And then that leads to people going, Well, Chase Young was in coverage and they didn't get the sack. Why the hell what the hell are they doing? Um, but if they do the same thing, like they did the same thing this week and last week, um, with Casey hill dropping into coverage and they didn't get to the quarterback and a pass was complete, but Nobody cares. Nobody thinks. Oh, why wasn't Casey two hill rushing? Um, it was just the same scheme. Um, and, and they've had some more success with it with with two hill dropping, and, and um, he's probably better in coverage than uh, uh, Chase Young or Montez Sweat, who's done it as well. Um, and it's allowed them to 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 kind of rush a couple of different guys. We've seen Landon Collins blitz a little bit more. We saw Cam Krog get the sack against the Seahawks. Um, so that they've been able to kind of disguise a little bit more perhaps um, rather than feeling the need to have to rush chase young every single time. Um, And and the pressure from the fan base of if you don't rush chase young and you don't get home, um, the the kind of outrage of why are we not rushing him? Um, But yeah, that's kind of the the real difference of having two hill in there is more uh, from a a fan base perspective. And and, and perhaps as you say, he's probably better in coverage because he, he was a linebacker in college.
0: Right. And I think that's probably also an example of where Chase Young is going to view him, like Landon Collins views himself as a safety. Chase Young is going to view himself as a pass rusher and to whatever degree he's dedicating himself as a worker to this. I'm not saying he's not practicing these things, but he's viewing himself on that front. I'm sure on some level he's thinking, eh, this is weird. And like, I, I, that's not where my head wants to be. Whereas Casey Chuhl is like, dude, what? You, what do you want me to do? Do You want me to do this? You want me to do that? Cool. Sure. I'm, I'm all in and he's going to do the thing. And that comes back to the freelancing and things like that. Um, let's go to the other side of the ball. People like offense. I hear Mark. I, I don't know. I don't know about <laughs> that. Um, so we'll get to Taylor Heineke in a second. Two two things that stand out to me looking at the numbers, but just also the eye test. They are running more early down play action now in the during this winning streak than they did um, during the first eight games. It's pretty obvious, and Ron Rivera kind of said as much over the over the last couple of days. That during the bye week, they they looked at what they were doing on offense and determined that running the ball is something they they've been better at. Um, give getting Gibson a little time to rest. clearly has helped the offensive line even with all the constant changes has worked. So they put more emphasis on that. In addition, they were doing, I think they were they were running about seventy seven percent, three receiver three or more receiver sets during the first eight games. That's dropped to about sixty two percent. During this winning streak, so putting more of an emphasis, whether that's uh, two tight ends or having Gibson and McKissick out there a little bit more together, whatever they've gone down that or combination, which is obviously working. The whole thing it's helping them chew up clock. They're obviously being having these long drives with this emphasis, and and so on. What what stands out to you about whatever scheme changes have been going on during this winning streak?
2: Uh, yeah, they've definitely been been. Um, running the ball very well, and, and the play action comes off of that, um, and they've been matching up the the runs to and the play actions to, to kind of mirror um, each other. So that's been good. Um, I, I think the thing more than anything else that stood out to me is how disciplined they've been to, to play this style of football, um, where it is taking your taking what the defense gives you, running three or four yards of play, getting the taking the checkdowns and dinking your dunk and dinking and dunking your way up the field and, and taking the long drives like that stupidly long drive against um who was at Tampa Bay to, to kill the game like it takes a lot of discipline it, it, teams will quite often let offenses play like that because they know at some point there's going to be a negative play there's going to be a, a penalty there's going to be a false start there's going to be um someone jumping off sides there's going to be uh, a hold um, or like a protection scheme issue, and there'll be a sack, and then suddenly you're behind the chains, and that will throw that whole style of offense off balance. But Washington has largely managed to avoid that; they've hardly had any penalties. Um, the offensive line's protecting really well. Heineke's done a really good job of avoiding sacks and, and stepping up and, and, and getting positive yards when when protection does break down um Antonio Gibson's made some really nice runs even if they're just three or four yard carries but if it's second and nine or second and ten and he makes up for three or four yards that makes it third and manageable um so they've been keeping themselves ahead of the chains and they've been really disciplined to not get knocked off of that and, and not kill drives because of that so um I think that for me has stood out more than anything else is how disciplined it it it, it requires a lot of discipline to play that style of football and they've managed to avoid any kind of penalties or negative plays that have knocked them behind the chains.
0: Uh, apologies if I had some uh, background noises playing. Looking at my Some stuff has come up as I was looking at something up on my computer. All right, last topic. Um, no, not going to ask about how Mark's uh, EPL team is doing. Uh, we're going to ask about Taylor Heineke because obviously so much comes down to the quarterback and we can discuss all the different things What's working, what's not working, and all this stuff, and ultimately, so much does come down to the quarterback. And without getting into a de- debate over whether he's a long-term answer or not, I'll just plug here quickly. Had a story up on the be- beginning of the week with with David Aldridge about uh, just that answer. You know, wh- wh- whatever Taylor Heineke continues to show us will be enough to, for anybody to believe he's the long-term answer. What clear is clear now is he's getting the job done. That he, you know, he, he's there. The team is five and six. He's five and five in games he started. Um, you know, he's he he he's making smart plays. Uh he he he's making plays with his legs, he's staying healthy knock on wood. Um you know some of these throws he's throwing that he's completing a high percentage of his passes uh during this stretch that 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 throw to Cam Sims against Carolina was really just crazy to see how he threaded that in there. Um you know he's not afraid of the moment we see this over and over again him stepping up late in games to make plays and, 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 and all that. Um, I guess just the, you know, the, the basic answer here is what's the, what's the thing that has stood out to you about his evolution over the course of the season, as Ron Rivera says, often he's still a young guy from an experience standpoint, he's 28, but from an experience standpoint, he's only started the 10 games this year and uh, you know, 11 regular season games overall 12 with the, with the playoff game. So what's, where are you at? What stands out to you, I guess, about his evolution? And I I know I'm asking a lot here, so hang on. What do you see about his evolution? But I guess to that end, is it how interesting is it, you know?
2: Well, the interesting thing to me is that he's improved his accuracy in his ball placement. Um, Through the first eight weeks of the season, he was constantly throwing high. He was constantly throwing behind receivers. And, you know, when you've got a guy like Terry McLaurin or or, uh, Logan Thomas that can – turn their back and, and make the adjustments in there and make some terrific catches like that. They can, they can make him right. And, and a lot of the time they were doing that. Um, but when he was throwing to different guys, they, they didn't always, they weren't always able to make that adjustment and, and that was causing issues. And obviously um, there were, there were times where he was throwing behind receivers and they couldn't make the adjustment and it was incomplete. So um, like th- that, it, since the bye week, he, I'm not saying that he hasn't sailed a throw or thrown behind receiver here and there, but in general, he's been far better at putting the ball out in front of receivers and throwing um, a lot more on time and not high sailing throws above them and behind them that they've been out in front and allowing receivers to make catches and not just make catches in stride, but um, pick up yards after the catch um, rather than, having to stop all their momentum to turn around and catch the ball and then get tackled straight away. So um, for me, that's been the standout and and that is a very odd change to happen suddenly in the middle of the season, because typically that, that means when you're throwing high and behind it's, it's a mechanical thing and and those things can, can be quite hard to, to fix. It's hard to get your footwork changed in mid season. That's the thing you, you spend Hours and days and months over the off season, repetitive drills and and, and getting your footwork down um, to to make sure those that those mechanics are all in place for when you're in the season. So to midway through the season, suddenly see an uptick in. Uh, I don't know if necessarily the accuracy has gone up. It probably has uh, during the win streak, but um, in terms of completed catches, but in terms of where the ball is actually being thrown to in front of receivers rather than behind them or above them, um, that is night and day from where it was early in the season. And, and that is what's really interesting to me because uh, that, that was his, that was his biggest issue through the first eight weeks of the season. And, and now it's, it's not really an issue at all.
0: Night and day is often what happens when you talk to a guy who's uh, over, who's on the other side of the pond, night <laughs> for him, day for me, although right now it's morning, it's relatively daylight for both of us. Um, we didn't have a chance to get into Antonio Gibson the short yardage running but Mark has a, has a story up on his uh, on his uh, site uh, sorry it's um, w- what are you at here mark sorry yep. MarkBullock.substack.com, and of go. course he's on Twitter at Mark NFL so go read back go read all mark stuff subscribe you can subscribe to mark and the athletic it's not that you know I mean, I'm not telling you how to spend your money but like you know just don't go to Starbucks you know the, you know the, the line there he says but you can skip Starbucks. <laughs> Well, once this week and, and you can get you can cover both of us um mark man always appreciated. um i, I guess this a quick quick thing here they got gonna like they've won three in a row they got the raiders and then they go and they got the next five based on what you see because a lot of this has to do with the opponents also seattle's kind of falling apart carolina i don't know maybe they're just whatever they did beat tampa bay can't dismiss that 30 seconds is this a, are they going to keep this going are they gonna? I'm not saying you know, is this surge gonna keep going, or do or you they, or they think, or or not so much?
2: I I think it has potential too. I uh, I think the the Raiders certainly have had a lot of ups and downs. Uh Derek Carr is playing pretty good football, but um he he can be got uh, he can be rattled a little bit. And if if Jonathan Allen can get a quick pressure like he did against Brady, then perhaps the defense can step up and and the offense can do enough. Um and then. It, you know the momentum can roll into the dallas week um, and, and they can turn a, a three-game win streak into a four-game or a five-game win streak then they're definitely in the hunt of of, of winning the nfc east so um I, I think it has the potential to um and i think these next two weeks will really set the tone for the season i think in two weeks time we'll either be saying we're in a playoff hunt or we're uh looking at quarterbacks in the first round again
0: yeah i, I personally and i'll talk about this uh, somewhere, but like the, I think this Vegas game is really important. I think this is the game that determines whether we believe it. Cause I think right now everybody's kind of like, Oh, this is so cute. They've won three in a row. I don't really know what's going on here. You beat Vegas four in a row. I don't care who you're playing. That's a real deal. And now you're clearly going to be in the mix for whatever that is to come. And the five games against the division opponents, it's all there to be had potentially even the division of Dallas continues to slip. So I think this Raiders game from at least a minimum perception standpoint, let alone, obviously a standing standpoint, I think is kind of pivotal. Uh, no perception change required when it comes to Mark's work. Always good, Mark. Appreciate it, man. Well, uh, thanks for jumping in here late, and we'll talk soon.
2: Of course, anytime.
0: All right. Many thanks to Pete Haley. Many thanks to Mark Bullock. Many thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast. As always, I am headed to Vegas, as I said. Wish me luck on that front. And uh, we'll be back next week with more podcasts. Uh, you guys have been great. I appreciate the support and uh, both here and over on The Athletic, and, and hitting me up on Twitter and, and sharing your thoughts to me on email, at theathletic.com. I always appreciate it. I uh, hope everybody's having a great um, holiday season, so on and so on, and hope you're enjoying this ride. It feels a lot better, you know, for everybody involved when the team is winning. You know, there's more pep in everybody's step and as opposed to dealing with the doom and gloom of what comes when, you're, when the team is losing. And unbelievably, the Washington football team is doing nothing but winning right now let's see if if it, if it keeps going um but that's it for now ben stede signing off until next time see ya